0: Hi, I'm Giselle Sabad, the Executive Director of the International Society for Urban Health. Tune in to this episode where we talk about all the different ways that placemakers and uh, urban practitioners have an impact on health, well-being and equity in the communities that they live and work in every day.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica Podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms, and also Let's Connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, AFRI. AFRI is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Today, we have a new story from Pontevedra. And we have an amazing storyteller. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Giselle to Urbanistica Podcast. Hey, and welcome.
0: I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thanks for uh, coming. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. We are having a great time. There's so many activities. Yeah, uh, I can't do everything, which is making me very depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but we're having a great time running around this yeah. beautiful city. And seeing all of our great friends say inspiring things and I think there's a lot of energy and we're all so excited.
1: Yeah, and I'm happy that you make time to the podcast. So thanks again.
0: No, thanks for having me.
1: So Giselle, you are our storyteller. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and what are you passionate about?
0: Uh, I'm Giselle Sabag, the executive director of the International Society for Urban Health. And uh, I have training in architecture, urban planning and public health. So I'm thinking about, uh, and I'm very passionate about the connection between those things, how we can work to make our cities healthier for everyone who's living there. Health, well-being, equity is tied so directly to the places that we live and it's all a choice in terms of what our environments are and how they impact us. So yes, that's my passion. It's what I've been doing for more than 15 years. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I wanna say though that first and foremost, I'm a placemaker.
1: So I'm here with
0: my family and uh, it's been so amazing to talk to everyone and to think about the ways that placemaking also worked to improve health and well-being and equity in the communities that we're all living and working in around the world.
1: And Giselle, when you say like health, which aspect of health or what do you mean by health? It's it's a big word.
0: Yeah, all the aspects of health. So I'm thinking about physical health, uh, social health, uh, and all the ways that our environments impact our health. So that's thinking about things like... Air quality, green space, um, transportation and physical activity, how we can incorporate active transportation into our everyday lives, what kinds of food we have access to, if it's healthy or affordable, what kinds of housing do we live in? Um, If it's informal, do we have land tenure? Do we have security? Um, do we have water, sanitation, and hygiene? Um, you know, it is all these aspects. All this. I,
1: like the physical one I know about, but yeah. you, you told like the social health? Yeah, so What is it about?
0: There's a few different aspects of social health that I that I, I usually talk about. So one is what we, in the public health world, we call the social determinants of health. The funny thing about that phrase is that it means both physical and social elements. So that's okay. talking about the ways that our neighborhoods shape our uh, our everyday life. In our experiences. So, social determinants of health include both physical and social elements. Mm. So, that's, for example, um, where we're born is the number one uh, indicator of how long we're going to live. So, if we, you're born maybe, I don't in, know, in, in Baghdad. So, you were born in Baghdad yeah. in a neighborhood. And I could have been born also in Baghdad, but maybe I was born one kilometer away or, you know, 500 meters away. But my neighborhood environment might be different. Mm. I might have different access to green space. I might have different access to schools. The schools might be different. There might be violence when I walk out the door, but maybe for you, you don't have that. Mm. Um, the air quality might be different. For example, my I might be breathing unhealthy air every day, and yeah. you might be breathing healthier air just right next door. True. So all of those things actually are the social determinants of health. On the other hand, we have physical and social health. Mm. So physical is things like do we get enough physical activity or are we inactive for example and social might be things like do we have social cohesion so or are there opportunities for me or am i interacting with other people in my neighborhood and in my community mm. that actually makes such a huge impact on our health and well-being and on our overall life expectancy
1: and and how do you work with this like more if, can you give us like a project or an example of how do you work with this like as a more action
0: Mm, yeah um, well, I have a couple you know examples in my former role. I was actually advising mayors around the world, so I was working with many cities to help them achieve um their goals uh in in you know different cities on different topics. and so what I would do is I would always weave in this health aspect to the work I was doing, so it was all the aspects that are influenced by urban planning and that urban planning can impact. Um, and, uh, one example was I was working for the parks and recreation department for city of Atlanta and they were creating a new master plan for the city. And so I said, well, you know, it's not just about, uh, the different places that people can, um, can play sports or, um, interact together. It's also about the health opportunities that they have and how equitable it is within the same city. Mm. So we had neighborhoods that had zero places to actually play or to be outside or green space access. And then we had others that had many. So how do we actually, um, we created what we did is we created a map to look at and understand what are all the different ways that, um, that people have different access or different opportunities Mm. to be healthy through parks. And then we were able to pinpoint the areas that were the biggest um challenges and that really were more inequitable so that we could focus our efforts on those areas. Um, and then it, now at the International Society for Urban Health, we have several, several different programs that were um, that were running. One that we just concluded was a big program around the world on healthy cities for adolescents. We were working with um, adolescents in many different cities in five different countries in different ways to improve their health and well-being. A new project that we have is the Accelerating City Equity Program. Where we are working with uh, with amazing uh, equitable development and sustainable development experts around the world, and we're gathering their stories and learning from their experiences mm-hmm. about how they've made uh, more equitable environments and how they've improved health and health equity specifically in their work. So that we're actually pulling out those tools, and we're going to be sort of disseminating them and bringing more people into the fold to understand from those experiences how they too can think about equity when they're bringing. Um, or developing a new project or a new initiative on the ground so like, like the placemaking community for example mm. who's not let's say not everyone is always thinking about equity but we should be because we have all these co-benefits when we're working in let's say a placemaking project
1: yeah so so like many we have listeners from 132 countries mm. and many of us work with uh, urban design urban planning placemaking okay. yeah so what is your advice to us What what like the key element that we should think about when we work in the projects?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, and it's an important one. So I'm glad that you asked it. Um, I, what I would like to say is that there's a lot of co-benefits mm. to thinking about health in your work. So wh- what I would like everyone to ask themselves in their next project or initiative is how is the decision that I'm making impacting the health of the residents? That, that, are, that are living in the community, right? Um one thing I want to say is that actually the, the people who have the biggest impact on health in cities or any, any, uh, any environment or any community are non-health actors. So they are urban planners, urban designers, placemakers, the city governments, um, sustainability departments, transportation departments, but they're never people who are trained or thinking about health, right? Yeah. Right. And so it's important, I would say, to consider... What are the health impacts of the work that you're doing? Because every single decision that somebody makes that changes our environment, whether our physical environment or our social environment, it's impacting our health in some way. So for me, I try to think about how do you make health the easy, the healthy choice, the easy choice? How can you promote and support health in everyday life through design? Mm. So you, Mustafa, you know, the next project that you take on, uh, would you consider how am I going to impact health of the residents with this decision? If Mm. I, if I add a bike lane, for example who is the bike lane for? Mm. Can parents with strollers, can they use the bike lane? Um, Can kids easily get to school? Does it connect to schools? Does it connect to the kindergarten? Does it connect to the park? Um, If you're redesigning a public space, like a a park, for example, does it have ample um, shade for people, um, you know, to be out of the sun? Mm. Um, Are there benches for older people to sit? Are there benches near the playgrounds for Mm. people to safely watch their kids? So, just considering the different health impacts of your work, I think is the most important thing I can ask.
1: And I think like what you mentioned, I was like super basic. It's not like a rocket science. It's all
0: super basic. But what I find is that a lot of people aren't thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Because like when you say health and we, I I thought like, okay, we should really be super expert and and doctors and, you know, like healthcare uh, (laughs) expert and to work with these elements. But what you mentioned, like super, super basic and standard.
0: No, it's really obvious. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a special expertise. But the thing is that every decision that an urban planner, um, an urban designer, or a placemaker, or anyone else who's making decisions about the city, every single design decision comes with some impact on health, right? So in fact, you're already having an impact on health. All you have to do is think about you know, where, what exactly am I going to be doing in mm. terms of impacting the people who are living in this community? Yeah. And can I actually improve health or improve equity mm. in some way by making a different design decision?
1: Yeah. And as a urban practitioners, now I say urban practitioners, like, I mean, Perfect. placemakers and everybody works yeah. with it. With all design. urban practitioners. Exactly. exactly. What should we stop doing? Like, when we do, we, we do different, we usually talk about, okay, we, let's start do this, do this, and we, sh- we have to do this. What should we stop doing?
0: It's a very good question. I mean, I would say there's a lot of things and it sort of depends. I think with this community, um, from your point of view. Yeah. I mean, with this community of placemakers, Mm -hmm. I think what we all agree on, which is a really important point is that the community is the expert and they should lead the process. They should be a part of the process Mm -hmm. and they should have buy-in so that they can continue um, the work that's been done in an ongoing way. So I think that's really important. What What I wish we would stop doing is sort of going in and trying to uh, you know, often we think we're helping. I sort of hate this word help,
1: you know, yeah, because it's, it's like, like no, it implies some power dynamic, That's true, right? that's true. I, I totally agree with you, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not helping anyone. I'm, you know, partnering, I don't know, supporting, working together with, you know, in hand-in-hand with communities. But sometimes we think that we're helping and we go in <laughs> with an outside perspective, right? Yeah. And we, we impose some strategy that we think, you know, maybe we read it in our books or like, Okay, everybody beats up on transportation engineers, so I don't mean to add, but like, you know, oftentimes they have in the books that they're supposed to be designing for the most cars at the highest speed possible, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a certain amount of people they're supposed to flow through, but they're completely forgetting about everybody else and what the impacts of that are so you know i think in that sense we don't, don't want to just do what we read in a book or what we think is good we actually have to involve everyone the is the expert yeah. the community leads it and make sure that it's going to have a good impact for everybody not just people who own cars and also there's a lot of people even if you don't even if you own a car mm-hmm. you could own a car There's a lot of people who can't use cars. There's young people. Mm. There's older people. There's people with disabilities, right? And eventually, uh, when you're older, you might not. It might not be a very good idea to drive a car. So, you know, this is a very obvious example, but it's um, it's one that it's a mistake I think that's still made all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and Giselle, what are like the challenges you're facing when you work with um, like urban projects that you, you usually face?
0: Uh, many. I mean, I think. I think like a big thing that we were just talking about in the plenary is the opposition, often of people who don't like change or they don't maybe understand or think about um how for example their individual action is going to impact the collective community that's one um you know especially people who want to park their cars I've, i honestly the biggest problem and I, we were just talking about it so i think many people here agree <laughs> that so many times the biggest problem is um people who don't want you to take away their parking space yeah but the thing is that the streets they're for everybody they're not just for the people with cars and they're mm. not just for the people who park there right so if we want to actually utilize the spaces that we have And again, many people here, I know they know this, um, but so much space is actually given to streets in every city. That space needs to be reclaimed by everybody. Mm. Right. And I think like that is one of the biggest challenges. And one of the hardest things that I see is there's a lot of opposition, but people have to understand the way that their individual action actually impacts everybody. And like, actually, I thought (laughs) during the pandemic, it was quite cool to see how yeah. so many people came together to reclaim their street. And I think maybe some people actually saw for the first time what is the opportunity that we have if we don't reserve all of this space in the city just for the small minority of people who have cars.
1: True, true, so true. So, like uh, if we have a place here, let's say this is Pontevedra, we are looking outside and it's very beautiful. Mm. If we want to develop a place, what should we think about? What should we start with? Well, like, let's say there's taking a square. The example here. Yeah, square.
0: Yeah. I mean uh, the example of Pontevedra is amazing I was so impressed I mean this mayor is absolutely incredible and in s- some ways I never buy the excuse of oh we're too, we're too big to do the thing that a smaller place did
1: it's, bullshit, yeah.
0: it's bullshit I yeah. mean it's ridiculous but at the same time it is amazing because this is a smaller town and so the mayor did have more sort of decision making power than some big mega yeah. cities that I work with right and he was able to completely transform the city okay it took 35 years or but still, it's long- but still he had a vision and yeah. he did it yeah. so I really think like if we can look at examples like this the benefits that that they had and i think the benefits are so clear and speak for themselves right i mean there were kids Mm. that were dying of preventable car accidents before and it is preventable and it's a decision to let kids die Mm. i mean in the united states not all the cities but almost all of the cities and places we have a huge problem still Mm. this is crazy this is a decision to let kids die to let people die in cars because we don't want to design an alternative that's right that's safer Um, For people, this mayor didn't do that. This mayor said, we're not going to stand for that. We're going to totally transform the city Mm. and look at the impacts that they've had. They haven't had a death by car, you know, since they transformed the city center into a pedestrian center. I also think what's interesting to see here is how much the economic development grew together with the pedestrianization Mm. and with really improving the safety of the downtown because of it. Yeah. Right. So a lot. That's like an old argument, but people still use it. It's crazy to say that if you take away, um, you know, cars, the car, uh, yeah. right? That like the retail that people get to by car, then you're going to actually like have a negative impact on business. That is completely, true. totally, and utterly disproven in every single city in the world. Yeah. And I think we can see it here. Like we now have all these people walking by, and the retail life is really thriving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I think for a small town like this, this is a big problem for them. Mm. You know, in a place like Spain, where people are, you know, young people or shop owners are leaving, it's really depressed. Yeah, this city was like that, and now it's totally transformed it's in back. terms of economy. It's back, mm-hmm. and that's really because they yeah. transformed for safety, sustainability, health, uh, and so it has all these co-benefits. Yeah.
1: So, what is your takeaway message to Pontevedra uh, when they going like continue their journey in developing the city, like? From health perspective, what should they think about or or pay attention to?
0: Yeah, I think there's still, I mean, there's ongoing questions, right? They've made this huge transformation. It's
1: like a city never stops, like city developments. Exactly. Yeah. I know
0: they have some challenges with some of the, you know, some yeah, things yeah, are still yeah. a challenge, right? I I just think like look at the progress that you've made and what the impacts are. And again, I, they don't have any car accidents. They've improved the air quality. Um, that you know, what are the what are the ways that improving air quality improve life for people living here? It improves kids' learning ability. It improves mental health. Mental Mental health is a huge crisis for young people, everybody, but especially young people around the world, especially after the pandemic. You know, look at all the progress that they've made and all the co-benefits. Keep going. It pays off, you know. Um, it's hard, yes, but the trade-offs are completely worth it. And I think we can see that. If we look at the before and after here in Pontevedra, we're seeing so much impact yeah. already. So I think the idea is to stick true through mm-hmm. the course and to get through the challenges and the disagreements because in the end, if everyone can collectively come together for the betterment of the entire city, then you know, there's a huge payoff to be had. yeah, and in yeah. the health and well-being is so much better of of residents now,
1: true. So uh, how how was your uh, day in Pontevedra? Like, what did you do? How- oh
0: man, uh, we we ran around to many many things. So um, there were workshops, and the, there was a cool stretching workshop in the morning. Yeah. Um, there were the tours of the city, which are amazing. Um, there's the plenaries and the workshops. There was uh, like these cafecito workshops. Honestly, too many things that we we couldn't do all of it.
1: <laughs> it's always like this, and it's always like this interesting conferences like so many options
0: oh but this is unique i mean this is amazing because we you know i love everyone who's presenting and they're presenting such incredible work all over the world but the city itself just exploring the city honestly it's hard to even go to all the events because i just want to explore
1: yeah you have a city then you have a program
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so i'm trying to do a
1: little bit of both but it's hard Uh, did you have a session Yes. So How was I, your session?
0: It was great. So we just had a, um, one of the plenaries. It was called On Togetherness, mm-hmm. an absolutely amazing panel um, led by Cecilia Vaca-Jones and three other incredible women. And we talked about all these different ways that we can work together to improve our public spaces and our communities.
1: Yeah. So now we're on the end of uh, this episode. And it's about you giving takeaway messages. So the first one is like a takeaway message to Pontevedra.
0: So look at what you've done and how far you've come and what impacts you've had.
1: And now three takeaway messages to our placemaking community.
0: Um, You have the power to improve health and well-being and equity through through the work that you do. So it is worth it. Consider health. Consider equity in all that you do and uh, continue to, uh, you know, the key messages and the key strategies in placemaking are the ways that you can get there. So the community is the expert. They lead the way. You know, you're working together hand in hand. You're not helping anyone. Um, You are partnering together with everyone to improve public spaces for everyone.
1: And the last question is going to be you asking it to us. It's your turn ask questions so what is your question to me and to the listeners
0: well, I, I want to know what you <laughs> and all of our listeners yeah how are they going to actually uh and think about and improve health how can you for example improve health and equity in your community through the placemaking work that you're doing
1: Giselle thank you so much I, I really learned a lot we talked like 90 minutes and I learned so much so thank you again for giving your time to the podcast
0: thank you so much for having me